Let's all turn to hymn number 56 in your blue songbook. Page number 56, when we all get to heaven, sing the first, second, and last verse. Page number 56. I remember there in the hospital when she said, I want that song sung as the casket rolled out. I looked at her and I said, Mama, that's a crazy song to be sung. She looked up at me and she said, I'm the mama. <laughs> Amen. Wonderful. Thank you for singing that, Brother Ken. We're going to open up in prayer this morning, but the Up Church is going to lead us. Uh, give you a couple of prayer requests. Uh, we're thankful Brother Carl's out of the hospital. Continue to lift him up in prayer, if you would. Uh, of course, uh, 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 Brother Steve Thacker, continue to pray for him. And we're going to pray for our services today. We're asking God to meet with us. Pray for Brother Eddie on his missions trip. And then Sister Iris Nunley hopes to come home this coming week from her stay in the uh, uh, rehab over her uh, broken uh, our hip. So pray for her. Lots to remember this morning. Bless ask the Lord to meet with us. Brother Up Church, pray for us today if you would. Brother Bobby, take us to the throne. Father, we thank you for another day that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. And we count it a privilege yeah, to be able to assemble together in your house with your people. Yeah. And now, Lord, we bring these that have been mentioned. And, Lord, there's so many that are unspoken. You know the hearts of every person that's here. You know the burden they're carrying. And, Lord, you know so many that are hurting because of loved ones passing. And, Lord, we just uh, they're brokenhearted, and we just lift them to you and ask you to bless them. These, Lord, like Connie that's sitting by her husband so faithfully, Lord, we lift her to you and ask you to bless her and strengthen her. Thank you now for again for an opportunity of service today. Bless the service, and Lord, be glorified and honored through everything that is said and done. And in the end, we'll praise you and thank you for all that is accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Valleys and tribulations and trials of life are never what we want to go through. 
But you understand that we learn an awful lot about our Lord and Savior during those dark places. Love this song. Love to hear Brother Ken sing it. You listen now as the choir sing sweet things out of dark places.
morning boy I love to hear Marsha sing this if I've got one breath I want to praise the Lord with it amen stand and praise him one more time you listen to the choir this morning sing.
How many of you can say God's been good to you? Boy, when you look back over the trajectory of your life, there's one constant. God's been good. Sing it, Bethany.
wonderful job we're meeting this evening at 445. If you're a faithful member here at the church and would love to come sing with us, we'd sure love to have you. We're going to meet this afternoon at 445. Several announcements to give to you today. First of all, thank you for those that had breakfast with us this morning in honor of Pastor Ken's birthday. Uh, if your eyelids get heavy, I'll just have to spit and stomp and sweat a little bit more. Amen. But uh, thank you for coming out this morning. A couple of announcements for you. First of all, next Sunday is, of course, Mother's Day. We'll be celebrating that special holiday next Sunday morning. Hope you'll be with us. Bring your moms with us if you're able. Uh, and we've got some special things to do next Sunday morning. And then coming up uh, the following weeks is our graduation work. We'll be on Wednesday, May the 15th, the final Awana. And then that following Sunday, we'll be having graduation Sunday in the morning. We'll be having uh, honoring our high school and our college graduates. If you're going to set up a table and we encourage you to do so, please see Miss Susan so that we can make sure we have those out and available to you. And then that evening, we will have Awana graduation. We will invite you to be here for that. And then just a reminder of our upcoming teen conference. Money's got to be paid by May 26th. Senior Saints, if you're going to the National Quartet Convention with them this year, uh, the next $100 payment is due today. Ms. Is that right, Miss Bobby? So keep that in mind if you would. Miss Billy, sorry, Miss Bobby. I bet I'm not the only one that's ever done that, am I? Amen. Up church family. Amen. <laughs> Uh, also, please make sure you sign up for the Women's Mountain Retreat, ladies, if you're heading out there as well. And then uh, uh, this is a special announcement. Uh, 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 most of you know Sister Marcia's caring for her mother. Uh, we, we mentioned to you to be praying for her. She fell last week and has broken a vertebra in her back. Uh, so I want you to really lift up uh, her in prayer, Sister Green, if you would. And then some of you ladies, if you've got a spare time on your hands and are able to just volunteer, sit with her. Uh, if you'd see Miss Marcia or Miss Renee, that information is in your bulletin. You'll also note that uh, I've included uh, some uh, uh, revised instructions for our online giving. Let me say this to you. If you already use the platform, you don't need to do a thing. Everything's good to go. But if you're interested and are not using it, I love, 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 love it. I love paying my tithes in 2.2 seconds. Amen. So if you want to take advantage of that and the instructions, if you want to use your credit card or your debit card instead of a check, that information is in there and we'll have that in there next Sunday as well. All right, let's get all the little ones. Make your way down. If you would, please, if you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on quickly this morning. Children's Church and Junior Church, come on, make your way. If you're visiting, they are going to uh, collect any loose change you got. So come on this morning.
right, everybody hand the Children's Church, Junior Church, come on this morning. down this morning we'll worship the lord with tithes and offerings uh, uh you be obedient under the lord and god will bless you for that a uh, couple of quick announcements as they come this morning for a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, all those who are in second grade and below, um, uh, those kids rather in second grade and below, they're going to be downstairs. So if uh, your child is uh, one of those, we're going to let you go downstairs and pick them up rather than turning them loose up here for reasons you probably understand. Lord bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. stand with us this morning. Before we do the fellowship song, we're going to sing happy birthday to Brother Ken. We tried downstairs. It was real sad. It was an epic fail. So we're going to do it right this morning. We'll get to that part. Uh, happy birthday. God bless you. We'll do it that way. And then we'll sing it like we meant it. Hit it, Miss Renee. Sing it with us now. Happy birthday. Four years old, amen. <laughs> okay, that's where we draw the line right there. That's it. <laughs> I was hoping you was gonna do that. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. Page 203, the windows of heaven. We'll sing it one time through, have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 203.
after services this morning. Any able-bodied person, we need your help downstairs. Please, please, please. Anybody who's physically able, we need your help downstairs to get everything ready. It'll take about 15, 20 minutes if we have lots of help or three hours if it's just a couple of folks. So please, please, please come help us. We was eating downstairs. Let's put a smile on your face. We was eating downstairs, and uh, somebody looked over at me and said, Preacher, with all this food we've got, that fellowship song better be extra long. I won't tell you who said that, but his initials were Tim Helbert. Amen. <laughs> All right, fellas, come on, make your way down. Congregation, I want you to turn in two places in your Bibles, Matthew and John. Go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Matthew and John. Brother Scott's going to sing for us, and we'll go into the Word. Mission Sunday this morning, first Sunday of every month, is, of course, Mission Sunday. In addition to what you give, we give 13% to, to missions, so you be obedient. Father, bless the missions. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to support missions in this capacity. Thank you for everyone that's on the field that we're able to have a part of. Bless now this offering in Christ's name. Amen. When peace like a
Matthew 26 this morning is where we'll begin. Matthew 26, we will also be looking at John this morning, chapter 21, Matthew 26, and John chapter number 21. In honor of yesterday's Kentucky Derby, I had a pastor friend who sent me a little story this week. The story said that a Baptist preacher had a bit of a gambling problem, and he liked to bet the horses. On Saturday, he snuck away to the racetrack and tried to do so in complete secrecy and quiet, wanted to bet a few of the horses, and so he watched as a Catholic priest stepped out onto the track and actually laid hands, did the cross sign on the head of one of the horses. He thought to himself, even though that horse is a long shot, if that priest is going to bless that horse, I'm going to bet on it. So he bet $100, and the horse came in first place. He made 1000 Next race, some of y'all getting an idea now, aren't you? <laughs> Next race comes along. That Baptist preacher's got $1,000. The Catholic priest comes out, lays hands on another horse, does the cross sign. The Baptist preacher goes up to the gate, bets $1,000 because that horse... Uh, was predicted to come in last. He came in first, and the preacher pocketed $10,000. Watched it a third time. Again, the Catholic priest lays hands, puts the cross. That preacher bets all of it, even though that horse was destined for last place. He comes in first. Now the preacher's got $25,000 in one day. Finally, comes to the big race of the day, the last race. Here comes the Catholic priest. He lays hands on the horse. He does the crucifix. He touches the back of the neck. He touches the hooves. He touches the nose. He touches the bridle. He puts his hands all over that horse. Baptist preacher thought, I'm going to be a millionaire. He takes his $25,000, lays it down, betting on that horse. The guy looks at him and says, you know that horse is supposed to be dead last. The preacher says, that's all right. I got a good feeling. Bet all $25,000. And the horse comes in dead last, ten full lengths behind even his next closest competitor. Baptist preacher ends up with nothing. Later that afternoon, he comes up to the Catholic priest. He's angry. He's furious. He said, what happened at that last race? The Catholic priest said, what are you talking about? He said, all day long, I've been betting on every horse that you put your hands on. And then we get to the last one, and you bless it. And sure enough, it comes in last place. The Catholic priest looks up at him and says, that's a problem with you Baptist preachers. Y'all can't tell the difference between a blessing and last rites. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 69. Verse 69. Peter sat without in the palace. The damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch... Another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. <clears throat> Every time I read this, I think of my own life's testimony. 
I was raised in church all of my life, and when I went away from mother and daddy, I decided I knew better. <clears throat> Again, he denied also, said with an oath, I do not know the man. After a while, came unto him they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath, or we would say betrayeth thee. Began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. Immediately, cock crew. Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, For the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. He went out and wept bitterly. Father, thank you for this story, this reminder the testimony of Peter. Lord, most of us find ourselves in similar situations throughout our Christian life. Lord, we are so thankful this morning that you are the God that saves the sinner, but we are also thankful that you're the God that welcomes back the saint. Lord, you're not just the God of second chances. You're the God of 10th chance, 20th chance, and 30th chance. We thank you for that. Lord, as we get into the word this morning, I pray your blessings would be upon the preaching of it. Lord, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. It's that instrument by which you would reclaim the lost, which you would strengthen the church. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do today. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Statistics tells us that Easter Sunday is traditionally the most highly attended church service of the year. We certainly carried through on that. We had our highest Sunday morning attendance, Easter Sunday. In the eight years that we've merged, statistics also tells us that the Sunday after Easter is statistically the lowest attended Sunday of the year. We bucked that trend last Sunday morning as we had a fantastic Sunday morning attendance. But as I was driving home last Sunday celebrating the fact that we had such a good Sunday morning attendance, it struck me that that is often a microcosm of the Christian life. Spiritual highs, spiritual lows. Spiritual plateaus, spiritual valleys. Times when we feel as close to God as we can possibly be. Times where we look at Peter and say, we've walked in those same shoes. I've shared with you many, many times, I was saved seven days shy of being seven years old. Wayside Baptist Church, Ridgeway, Virginia, June 13th, 1976. I don't remember getting saved, but I remember where I was and I remember who led me to the Lord. And I wish I could tell you uh, that during uh, those 42 years since I've been saved that I have walked the straight and narrow, but I can't say that. To be very candid with you, uh, there, are, there were times in my Christian life uh, where I would have done exactly or I have done exactly like Peter did, uh, where it seemed that I had walked away from my faith, uh, where I had renounced the faith, uh, where I had turned my back on the faith. Uh, and if you were to look at my life during that period of time, you would say, what in God's name were you thinking? Now, don't turn your nose up in spiritual indignation because there's a lot of y'all that walked that same pair of shoes. Don't look at me like I'm some kind of backwoods creature because I'm being honest with you. I have failed the Lord on so many occasions. If we're honest, most of us have as well. A lot of us were saved as kids. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you got saved before you were 18? 
I would say 60-70% of the church easily got saved before they turned 18 years of age. Just by way of comparison, how many of you got saved after the age of 18? Raise your hand. About 30-40%. That should be everybody unless you're not saved. Amen. Listen to me this morning. Whether you got saved at 7 years old, 17 years old, or 70 years old, you probably have to say amen to this. You have walked away from God at times. You have failed God at times. You are like Peter where you have gotten angry. Something's happened. Tragedy has struck. Circumstances have occurred. And before all is said and done, you are farther away from God than you could ever possibly imagine. But can I say to you this morning, Jesus is a friend to the fallen. Please understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about falling from grace. I believe with every fiber of my being, if someone has been saved, they're always saved. We don't fall from grace by losing our salvation, but we will fall and lose our place of service and need to be restored back to fellowship with God. But can we say amen one more time? We serve a God who loves to bring his children back to himself. So with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to give you a message that I'm entitling our friend of the fallen. Friend of the fallen. There's a lot of us that can relate to the example of Peter. Days uh, when you are so inspired over the things of God. Uh, days uh, where you could look the Lord squarely in the face and say, I will never leave you. I will stand right beside of you. I will do everything I can in order to protect uh, and preserve your name. And then there are days uh, when, like Peter, uh, where the memory of that is a far distant cry off in the past. And that situation is where Peter finds himself. I'll remind you that just 24 hours previously, in fact, not even that, 12 short hours before this occurred, uh, Peter is looking at the Lord saying, I will always be there. Uh, I'll never step away from you. Uh, I will always be your faithful follower. Uh, and less than 12 hours later, uh, he's denying the Lord not once, not twice, but three different times. Three things I want us to look at this morning. Number one, his failure. His failure. I'm going to be kind, but I'm going to be blunt this morning. When you read this particular passage, you quickly find that the place where Peter finds himself contributes to his failure. The place where he finds himself, if we were to juxtapose this passage with the correlation passage in Luke 22, you will find that Luke describes Peter as following the Lord from afar. Following the Lord from afar. What does that mean? Well, listen to me very carefully. There are times in our Christian life where it feels like the Lord is right beside of us. Amen? Where it feels like we can feel his very presence. Well, it feels like either in a church service or in our prayer time or in our Bible study time where you can almost reach out and touch the nail-scarred hand of him who saved you. But then there are times where it feels like a prayer don't even get above the ceiling. Feels like at times uh, where the, that memory of being close to the Lord is a far distant past. Uh, would you listen to me? I promise you, uh, if there is a distance between you and the Lord, it is not the Lord that moved. I promise you, if you are not as, hear me this morning, church, if you're not as close as you used to be, if the fellowship you once had with God is a past tense fellowship, if you're not doing what you used to do, praying like you used to pray, reading like you used to read, studying like you used to study, attending like you used to attend, it is not the Lord who moved. There is tremendous danger when we start following the Lord from afar. 
when the distance between us and the Lord gets greater and greater and greater, the problems get worse and worse and worse. The place where we find ourselves often determines our spiritual failure. Not only the place, I want you to notice the pain of it. Scripture tells us in the passage that we just read that when that cock crew through times, that he wept bitterly. That he went out and began to cry because he remembered what the Lord said by the time the cock crows. In other words, by sunrise, you will deny me three times. Peter had put that out of his mind and said, no way, not me, no how. But by the time sunrise happened, he had denied the Lord on three different occasions. Knew that the Lord's prophecy had come true. Realized that he'd failed the Lord. Realized that the one who'd been so good to him, he had walked away from him. And it stung him to the core. He went out and wept Bitterly. Why? Because he's miserable. Because he knows what he's done. Look at me. Because he knows what it meant to walk beside the Lord. And now he knows what it means to walk away from the Lord. Hear me what I'm about to say this morning. I believe with Every fiber of my being, the most miserable person in the world is not the lost man. The lost man doesn't know better, church. The lost man lives like he's lost. You want to know why? Because he's lost. The unsaved lives an ungodly lifestyle. You know why? Because he's lost. You hear me? The most miserable people in the world are those who were once walking with God. Those who once held the hand of the Lord. Those who knew what it meant to be in fellowship with God. But have turned their backs on it all. Those of all people most miserable. And I have tons of sympathy. You know why? Because I used to be one of them. I know what that's like. I understand that feeling. I know what it's like to lay in bed at night and wonder why you don't have that peace that passeth all understanding anymore. I know what it's like to look up to heaven and try to pray and think to yourself, there's no way God could hear me because of the life I'm leading. All men most miserable. Peter's failure. I want you to notice secondly this morning, not only Peter's failure, but Peter's foolishness. Would you turn now to John chapter 21 for me? John chapter 21. The story picks up there in a correlation passage. We see that Peter begins to make some very dumb choices. Peter begins to make some decisions that reflect his spiritual position. Some decisions that, that are purely indicative of the fact that he has walked away from God. We fast forward now a few days. Jesus has been resurrected. He's made multiple appearances. Not yet to, to all of his disciples, but notice if you would please John chapter number 21, verse number 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered the ship immediately and that night they caught nothing peter's failure quickly gives way to peter's foolishness you see his foolishness is indicated very clearly in this verse by some of the choices that he's making 
Don't misunderstand me. There's no sin, shame, or sorrow in going fishing. If there were, Baptist men would never make it. Amen. No sin, shame, or sorrow in that. But I don't believe that what Peter says is I'm going out for an afternoon of fun time fishing. What Peter says is I am picking up the old life that I left behind. You see, I believe Peter thinks that because Christ is in the tomb, because the one he followed is dead, that his own personal ministry is over. He's broken fellowship. The one that he loved, worshipped, and followed is buried. Nothing that he thought was coming to pass was going to happen, so he's got to feed his family. He goes back to the very lifestyle that God had pulled him out of. Again, Nothing sinful about fishing, but the Lord had provided for the last three years, and now Peter thinks to himself, i got to do it my own now. He goes fishing, resurrects that old life, if you will, goes back to what he used to be, goes back to doing what he used to do before God found him. Go, hear me, goes back to the man he was before Jesus saved him. You hear what I'm about to say, church? There is no sin that a lost man commits that a saved man can't find himself in the middle of as well. Let me say that again and give it to you a different way. Don't think because we're Christians we don't fall into the traps of Satan. Now his decisions are beginning to show. He thinks to himself, I'll never make it. I've got to find a livelihood. I've got to, I've got to act of my own accord. May I say to you this morning, people out of God's will make dumb decisions. I know that's not politically correct. I know that's not popular, but it's smart on right. Those who are out of God's will oftentimes make dumb, dumb, dumb decisions. How do you know? Because I made a whole slop foo whammy of them. Amen. His decisions, his choices. What I find fascinating about verse number three is while he's making these crazy, dumb, inappropriate choices, he's taking along a few companions with him as well. Let me say that so that you'll understand it. Sin loves company. And so when, when he looks at these other disciples and says, I, if you go back to verse 2 and see who they are, when, he, when you go into verse number 2, it describes by name who they are. He says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life. Forget about this foolishness. Forget about the last three years. I'm going fishing to earn a livelihood. And there were some other disciples who said, you know what? We're going with you. Can I also say something to you, church? In about 18, 19 years of pastoring, 25 years of preaching, here's what I've discovered. We never sin in a vacuum. We think the only one we're hurting is ourselves. We think we can get by with it. We think it is no big deal. We think it will only hurt us if it's ever discovered. But you hear me, we do not sin in a vacuum. We oftentimes take people with us. It affects those that love us. It affects those that we love. It affects our church. It affects our testimony. Sinning affects everyone around us. His companions, his choices... Notice, if you would please, the next verse, verse, excuse me, the same verse, the last clause. Scripture says, that night they caught what? Nothing. Can I remind you, these were not some fly-by-night fishing boys who wanted to have a good time on a Saturday afternoon. These were professional fishermen who had done this for a livelihood. All night long they fished. 
I'm sure they tried every bait, every lure, every reel, every little trick they had in their arsenal, and they caught nothing. Why? I can't help but think to myself that they were totally depending upon themselves for this night's activities. This is a man, this is a trio of men, this is a group of individuals who had been depending on the Lord for everything, and now they've decided we don't have the Lord, we'll do this ourselves tonight. What a surprise, they caught nothing. Peter's failure, his foolishness, here's the best part. Unbeknownst to Peter, look at me, he still had a friend. And you hear what I'm about to say. His friends weren't those boys in the boat with him. I won't say that again. His friends were not the boys in the boat uh, that agreed to do with him uh, what he ought not have been doing to begin with. Uh, Let me say that a different way. Uh, A friend is not somebody who's going to tell you that whatever you want to do is okay. Uh, A friend is not somebody who's going to tell you that a sinful choice is just fine. Uh, A friend is not somebody who's going to tell you to trust your emotions or go with your heart. Uh, A friend is somebody who's going to tell you, uh, line that up with the Word of God. and uh, Amen. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't do it. Don't go there. Don't act upon that. Don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. Now, unbeknownst to Peter, he still had a real friend. You see, what Peter didn't know is that there was no sin. I get goosebumps before it even comes out of my mouth. There was no sin that Peter could fall into that his friend couldn't pull him out of. Amen. There was no distance too far that Peter could go that his friend wouldn't travel the distance to get him back. Notice, if you would, please, verse number 4. Scripture says, When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? The word meat there means food. You got anything to eat? catch anything they answered him no nothing nada zilch zippo go find your own food amen he said unto them cast the net on the right side of the ship you'll find they cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John the writer, saith unto the Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked, did cast himself into the sea. Here's what Peter discovered. His friend found him. Peter didn't go looking for the Lord. The Lord went looking for Peter. Just like it was when Peter got saved, Peter was not trying to find the Lord. I know we sing about that sometimes. It makes for good singing, but you hear me? We don't go seeking out for God. God comes seeking out for us. I'm glad this morning that just like the old songwriter Squire Parsons said, when I could not get to where he was, he came to me. Peter realized That was the Lord. I've toiled all night long. I've got nothing to show for it. And suddenly, just like that, there the Lord is. Ain't that just like our God? Just when you need him the most and expect him the least, 
pow, there he comes. Just when you think all hope is gone, when you think you've disappointed him too much, when you think you'll never be back, when you think that all hope is over with, that your place is done, boom, there he comes. What is it, Emerald says, bam. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you ought to be watching the cooking channel, amen. His friend found him. Notice, if you would please, verse number nine. As soon as they were come to land, I love this. They saw a fire of coals there. Fish laid thereon. Bread. Jesus saith unto them, bring the fish which you've now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. For all there were so many, yet not was, was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. Come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. You see, folks, not only did the friend find Peter, the friend fed Peter. You know what struck me this week studying for this? I don't know why I've never seen this before. But everything they were looking for on the boat, Jesus already had. <laughs> Everything they were looking for, the food, the fellowship, everything they were trying to find, Jesus already had for them. They didn't have to go fishing all night. They just had to stay with the Lord. They didn't have to fret all night long about nothing. All they needed to do was stay with the Lord. Here's a great discovery, folks. I, I don't often talk about my time away from God. I've said this a million times. I get a little embarrassed in talking about it in front of my kids. I, I get embarrassed talking about the mistakes that I made in front of my children. It's all before them, but I don't want them to know all the things their daddy did. But here's what I will tell you. I tried an awful lot in this world. I did not just nibble. I feasted on the things of the world. And don't let anybody tell you there's not pleasure in sin. Scripture says there's pleasure in sin for a season. I can't tell you the number of times I woke up thinking, oh, my God, I wish I'd never done that. Oh, my Lord, I wish I'd never been there. Oh, my heaven, what happened last night? Don't look at me cross-eyed. I've tried the things of the world, and then I tried the thing. I tried the things of God, and what I discovered is that all the stuff I was... All the stuff I was searching for out there, he already had at the table waiting for me. I can feast on the junk and the manure of the world, or I can sit down at the table of the king. Everything I need, he's got. So why would I go wandering somewhere else? His friend fed him. His friend found him. Finally, this morning, his friend focused him. Let's go to the last passage, if you would, of this chapter. A couple of things I want you to see and we'll be done. Jump down, if you would, to verse 15. 
And they had dined. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, thou son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Saith him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Say unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. A lot of you know already what we're talking about is a play on words here, but it's an important one. In English, we translate three words into the English word love. The English word love is a word that we use in a lot of situations. And each circumstance is very, very different. There's the word eros. There is the word filio. There is the word agape. Each of those is translated into word love, but they mean something altogether different. For example, I, I might walk up and say, I love that flower arrangement. That's altogether different than if I walk up to, to, to Brother Vernon and say, Brother, I love you. And that's altogether different than if I walk up to my wife and say, hey, baby, I love you. Trust me, that's altogether different. Yeah, man, it should be. <laughs> yeah, man. We use the same word love, but it means three very different things. You see, the word eros, erotic love, is the word love between a spouse and a, another spouse, if you would. The word, the, the, the word filio, brotherly love, city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I love you, man. You're my buddy. I'm praying for you. But that word agape, that's the one that happens in the third time there when Peter grieves himself. It is that self-sacrificing love. It is that love that puts the other person first. It is that love that says it's not my needs but your needs. It's not my wants but your wants. Not my desires but your desires. By the way, can I pause a moment and say that's one of the secrets to a successful marriage. That's not the, that's not the, the message this morning. Uh, but if you're going to have a successful marriage, it ain't going to be about what I want, me, me, me. It's going to be about me taking care of you, you, you. But in this instance, uh, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you have that self-sacrificing, uh, that overwhelming love that I have for you? And Peter has to hang his head. And it's almost as if Jesus comes up to Peter and says, look at me. Go feed my sheep. Go preach the word. Go be my mouthpiece. Can I tell you this morning, I can't help but wonder if Peter's heart started beating all over again because he thought his days of preaching were over. He thought his time of service was over. He thought that he would never be counted for God again. But aren't you glad this morning that just like the prodigal found a loving, welcoming father, so too do we find a God with his arms spread open wide. When we come back, I'm done with this simple analogy. Luke 15, powerful passage of scripture. When that prodigal walked away from his father. And he decided that day when he came to himself after walling around in the pig pit of the world. Uh, thank God for the day when he came to himself. Thank God for the day when we come to ourselves. Uh, 
And he goes back home and is rehearsing his speech over and over again, thinking he's going to find a father that's going to literally stone him, thinking he's going to find a father that wants nothing to do with him. But instead, he finds a father standing on the porch steps waiting for his son to come. He goes running to his daddy, says, give him the ring, give him the coat, kill the fatted calf, my boy's back home. That's how God is when his children Come back to the fold. I'll end this morning by making one simple statement. I don't remember an awful lot about the day I got saved. But I remember everything about the day I got right with God. I was too little at seven years old, to understand the magnet. And don't misunderstand me. You don't got to understand the great doctrines of Scripture to know you don't want to go to hell. Amen. I was too little. I was too young to have done a whole lot wrong. My kids both got saved when they were little. They asked to get saved many times before they got saved. Every time my son, I mean, they grew up in church. They knew the vocabulary. They knew the language. Every time my son would say, Daddy, I need to get saved, I would always follow it up. Well, have you ever done anything wrong? And he kept saying, nope, not a thing. Well, guess what? You can't get saved until you get lost. Amen. Then comes the day as youngsters uh, when they realize uh, that I've messed up. Uh, but would you hear me? Uh, you don't understand the gravity of that decision. Uh, you oftentimes you don't understand as little when the magnitude of that decision. Uh, but when you've messed up, when in your adult years, and y'all better help me out, you've abandoned God, you've walked away from God, you've walked away from your raising, you've walked away from the fellowship, you know what it's like to be out in the muck and the mire of the world, and you find not a judgmental God, not a God who kicks you out, but a one who says, I'm going to stand right here on the porch of heaven, and the very moment you're ready to come back, I'm ready to take you back, whosoever will may come. Remember the day I got saved, but I sure remember the day I got right. Would you stand to your feet this morning? It's about an ice closed. I'm going to ask some real pointed questions this morning. And I'm going to give you a very true statement. I'm not even going to look myself. I'm, my eyes are closed, my head is bowed. Nobody's looking, not even me. I want you to search your heart and ask yourself this simple question. Am I as close to the Lord as I used to be? If the answer is no, there's been a time in your life where you felt his presence more, where you knew you were studying more, where you knew his word was more precious, uh, when his place of service was more to you. If that is your answer this morning, I'd encourage you to step out this very second. If I do, preacher, somebody will see me. Who cares if they see? There are people coming from every aisle. Come on, don't wait for anybody else. to. They'll get out of your way. Step out right now. Lord, I want to get back to what I was. I want to be that place where I can feel you right up beside of me. Now here's a second question. Nobody's looking. This is for you this morning. If you've never been saved,
You can't say that you've been closer to the Lord because you've never met Him. Nobody's looking now, just me. You say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Be honest. Brother Ken, you're going to sing us one verse this morning. If you need to get closer, why don't you step out this very second? Won't you come this morning? Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed, was shed for me. about quickly listen to the words I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me was shed for me that thou bidst quick things. Parents of second grade below, don't forget you got to go downstairs to get your kids. Anybody that can stay and help us to get cleaned up downstairs, we'd sure appreciate that. Won't be long, I promise. Choir 445 services tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you for being here. Say amen. Brother Ken, pray for us, pal, if you would. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful, Lord, for the message you brought by our way today. God, I'm thankful, Lord, you never give up on your children. God, that you love us with an unconditional love. Father, what a blessing that is. Father, help us, Lord, to mind our manners as your children and, God, to follow after you and to love you. And, Lord, knowing, God, that even though we do mess up, God, you take us back home. Father, love on us, back into the fold. God, we're sure to love you today. Father, if anybody here does not know Christ as Savior, God, we plead with them today, Lord, to make that right. Don't put it off. God, we're thankful, Lord, once again for that message. God, how we needed it today. Lord, we love you. God, you've been so good to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.